the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, March 17th, 2022, as we had in, head into our second uh, second hour. Let me give out the phone number. It's uh, your open line uh, hour uh, for uh, this one. We'll have Brandon Weikert join us in the third hour. But 602-508-0960, anything you'd like to talk about or bring to the conversation is welcome, um, more than welcome. And uh, Rick, who may still be on the line, and I'll, I'll go back to him if he is in, in a few moments, uh, raised a really interesting thought, or at least raised a thought that um, has a lot of layers to it in asking the question, well, in giving an answer to the question that so many people are asking, which is why would Putin do this? Let me let me step back a moment and say that this is part and parcel of my campaign that we quit acting surprised when um, bad things or iniquitous things or outright outrageous things happen in the world of not America or in the world of the left in America. Um, we should stop acting surprised. This small story. Um, I was um, I was uh, talking back in the day around 2011 with a, uh, a pretty smart guy who um, who was listening to another radio host. And it was shortly after it was discovered that the Iranians tried to blow up a restaurant in Georgetown, Cafe Milano on Prospect uh, Street. Some of you may know it. And uh, a radio host said, I'm surprised the Iranians would do such a thing. And my friend called me and said, did you hear so-and-so say such-and-such? And And I said, no, I, I didn't hear it. He goes, well, why would he say such a stupid thing? I said, tell me what you mean. He said... You have a country in Iran that has been at war for us with us for over 30 years. They have killed and attacked Americans all over the world, all over the world. They have taken American hostages. They open their parliamentary sessions with chance of death to America. To this day, Salman Rushdie still has to travel incognito because they still have a price on his head for publishing a book called The Satanic Verses. He said... Why should we be surprised that they would try and set off a bomb in America? It's the last thing we should be surprised about. We either take them seriously or we don't. We either take their words and actions seriously or we don't. Is the surprise that they would try and destroy a civilian area, an area of civilians, a non-military target? Why would it be? They've done that since 1979 Routinely. Again, why should we be surprised? We lived in a holiday from history up until September 11th, I think. We lived on a holiday from history 
That's a, actually, that's a phrase that belongs to Charles Krauthammer. Let me give credit where it's due. Up until 9-11, we lived in a holiday from history. Americans did. We had not had an attack like that on our, on our property since World War, the beginning of World War II, 1941, Pearl Harbor. And we had, I guess one might say in a sense, with certain obvious caveats, we had the uh, fortune of when we fought wars not having to fight them on our geographic soil, not on our territory. And when bad things happened around the world, we could debate whether it was in America's interest to involve ourselves in them or not. But we had the luxury of not having to deal with whether we had to defend our very property here or not. Charles Krauthammer said this holiday from history, this bubble, if you will, is going to end in fire or ice. Fire or ice. And it ended in fire on 9-11. It ended in fire. And then notice the interesting response that took hold in this country after that fire was put out. After about two and a half months of tremendous unity, it ended. And a term actually invented by the Iranians became just as common here as our concern about radical Islam. And that term was Islamophobia to describe our concern about radical Islam as a version of blaming Americans first. Blaming Americans first. We had a lot of reasons to be worried, concerned, and to take seriously if you see something, say something. But for those that did... It was called Islamophobia. And so some were hesitant. Some did not want to be called bigoted. Some did not want to be called anti-Muslim. Some did not want to be called racist. And so when someone named Nadal Hassan, a physician at Bethesda Naval, was giving lectures on reasons for, justifications for violent jihad, no one said anything. No one said anything. And we learned that they wanted to say things but were afraid to do so after the fact. What was the fact? Fort Hood was the fact. Fort Hood was the fact where 12 Americans were killed by Nadal Hassan, who took his own words seriously because Americans were taught not to take his words seriously. And the chief of staff of the Army, George Casey, went on the Today Show the next day and was asked by Matt Lauer for his views on what took place at Fort Hood. Remember what had taken place at Fort Hood. A man of the American military, a physician, goes into a fort in Texas, a fort in Texas, which was a medical center actually, of a fort at Fort Hood, and he killed 12 Americans in the name of jihad, in the name of Islam, in the name of his version of it. And Matt Lauer asked what the takeaway was of General George Casey, Chief of Staff of the United States Army, and General Casey said, as awful 
as the loss of life was, if we lose the diversity in our military, that would be worse. As awful as the loss of life was, if we lose the diversity in our military, that would be worse. That's an American saying that. That's an American general saying that. That's the chief of staff of the army saying that. Diversity, more important than life or force protection. And part and parcel of this is that we have been taught to think that people are basically good and certainly people who weren't raised in America or with American or slash Western values are no lesser than us and share our interests. That's what yields to John Lennon's song, Imagine. This can all be done. This can all be done because people are basically good and we all share the same values. The only answer I have to that is those coexist bumper stickers. They don't need all those religions on them being lectured to that they need to coexist with one another. The Jews and the Christians do just fine coexisting with everyone else. Thank you. Just fine. And in service of that, a whole series, a whole chain and series of junk thought developed in this country. People were shocked, shocked. The media tried to suppress it. Credit to Sean Hannity's TV show for banging this drum until and shaming the media into covering it. But the media did try to suppress it. Maybe it was the Hunter Biden laptop story of 2008. But the media tried to suppress that Barack Obama's pastor, whom he dedicated and named a book after, was giving speeches saying, not God bless America, but GD America, except he didn't say GD. He used the whole phrase. And when that did become more prevalent in the news because Sean Hannity had shamed the papers into covering it finally. When that became more prevalent in the news, people wondered how someone could say such a thing. People wondered how a man of the cloth could say such a thing. Well, why wouldn't he? He had been taught those things by his teachers and by his community. And when I used to say, well, say whatever you want about Barack Obama, he's a good father, you know, that I could say one good thing about Barack Obama, at least he's a good father, people would correct me and say, a man who would take his children to listen to Jeremiah Wright's sermons is a good father. They were right. I was wrong. Part of a bigger story here that I'll conclude on the other side of this break as I'm thinking about it. Thanks for thinking it through with me. 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Rick, don't go away. You got me started on this. I'm going to let you have the last word. I just want to unveil a few more thoughts here as I'm thinking through this issue, this question, why would Putin do this? Well, of course, of course, not having Western values um, in Russia himself or themselves or in that region doesn't mean they're impervious to them. It just means that we here, the beacon of them, have 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 abdicated them, <laughs> have abdicated them 
for many, 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 many years. If we don't believe in them, why do we expect him to believe in them on the one hand? On the other, as I say, the wages of denying the greatness of those values should not surprise us when people act on their non-existence or act on their opposite or their antipodal views, act with actions that do not comport with Western society's views of life and just war and other normative absolutes. You think about it um, this way, if you will. What will the left fight for? Barry Weiss was trying to get at this or was getting at this in her essay. What will the left fight for in America? What will Americans fight for in America? Well, the left is the fighting movement in America. They're the ones doing most of the fighting these days. What is it that animates them? What is it that energizes them? Changing our history books, changing the founding date, destroying American history and monuments, transgender issues, not for adults but for children and in sports, and recruiting as many people to those causes as possible. Critical race theory, they'll fight for that. That's what they fight for. That's what they fight for. Human rights, not so much. In fact, not at all. They'll fight people who stand up for human rights. Ask Daryl Morey. Ask the NBA. Ask Enos Cantor. That's what the left will fight for. The left will fight for ensuring that three-year-olds have masks on their faces. The left will fight to make sure that a vaccine can be developed that can be approved to be given to four-year-olds and younger. My gosh, what am I saying? In New York, it's masking of two-year-olds. Two-year-olds. Because we threw out the notion that we had anything valuable in Western civilization to fight for, which is what our founding was all about. We used to think it was worth the fight, life and liberty. Individual rights used to be worth the fight here. If the past two years taught us anything, they taught us that it was a race to see how quickly we could erase individual rights. Cultural relativism set in in response to American exceptionalism, which had been the leading theology of our political ethos for generations, for generations, really up until the 1980s. Cultural relativism. No place is better than any other. No view is better than any other. Leading G.K. Chesterton to that great line about the student from Africa who comes to Oxford to study. Student from Africa being a can- coming from a tribe that believed in cannibalism. And when he, when he talks to his roommate, about why he can't engage in his cannibalistic practices at Oxford University. The roommate says, well, we just don't do that here. He couldn't give reasons. It was just a tradition, just a tradition with no underlying reasons. And so GD America might have been a little bit shocking in 2008. It's not now. It's not now. 
It's another wow that has to go by the wayside. It's another can you believe this, that someone would say this, that has to go by the wayside. How much, how much trouble did Andrew Cuomo get for saying America was never that great? How much trouble did Barack Obama get in for saying America was not exceptional? Harry Jaffa put it this way, if history or progress or change is our guide, if the truth of relativism is to replace the truth of the Declaration of Independence, then the cause for which the nation fought at its birth and in the Civil War was as meaningless as the Declaration itself. Those causes no better or worse than any other. White power, black power, the Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot are as justifiable as Jefferson, Lincoln, or the doctrine of equal natural rights of all human beings. Why wouldn't they be? We're not willing to say one is right and one is wrong, one is good and one is evil anymore. And that's how we get to understand Jeremiah Wrightism in context of the American political tradition inasmuch as it has been very misunderstood for so long in circles from whom a better understanding should be expected. But hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go, and it went. And I give you the world, and we stand here scratching our heads and perplexed as to why Putin would do this. He does it because he doesn't share our values and never did. Western Civ never took over. Western civilization was not the ethos of the Soviet Union anymore than it was the KGB anymore than it was Vladimir Putin or Dmitry Medvedev. And that's why it went without notice, without complaint, that Barack Obama could tell Dmitry Medvedev more about his plans for America's self-defense than he would with the American people in an election year. Tell Vladimir I need a little wiggle room until the election on missile defense. He told our enemy more than he told the American people about how we would weaken ourselves militarily in an effort to appease the Russians. Once upon a time, that would have been an impeachable offense. The Democrats today, and I'm with them on this one, have a lot of positive things to pay, say about Zelensky, Vlad, Vladimir Zelensky. The only thing I'm not with them on is that I was saying it years ago when the Democrats were saying Zelensky was a liar for saying there was no problem with the phone call he had with Donald Trump. So when Donald Trump openly spoke with Vladimir Zelensky and asked him to help investigate corruption, Corruption, which is all the more evident now today, thanks to the New York Times finally admitting to the veracity of Hunter Biden's laptop. When Donald Trump had a conversation with Vladimir Zelensky, it led to his impeachment. When Barack Obama had one offline, off record about actual defense of America, giving more information to our enemy to the American people. Well, that was just no news at all, was it? Certainly not worthy of impeachment. That's the world... We live in today. I show you the times. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Rick, you can have the last word when we come back, and anyone else can too. We'll be right back. Do you think that song would be better, Bill, if in that first iteration they didn't have that little synthesizer? 
Don't you think that kind of takes away from the song a little bit? That little, you don't have an opinion on this. You're Switzerland. <laughs> Maybe Leibson shouldn't tell the, who is that, the cars? Maybe Leibson shouldn't tell the cars how to, how to record a song. Maybe, 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 just a thought. All right, Rick, I gave you a lot there. It took me about four segments to answer a simple question. You can have the last word. Boy, you are a cautious critic of the cars. Yeah, very cautious <laughs> critic of the cars. <laughs> okay, brother, thank you for the last word. I will try to make it significant. Here's, here's really all I can say. Professor, that was a lecture for the ages oh. <laughs> and seriously <laughs> seth really you touched on things that identify what's going on in our country and why by extension those things are going on around the world and i really i i really commend you on that uh i would love to see that in an article uh, or some some type of thing to be able to repeat it, uh, you know, and hear it on a regular basis, because it really is an existential type of You're of very lecture. kind. You're very kind. You just got me going on a few buttons that, uh, yes. that I guess yes. have been circling or rattling around upstairs for a while. Well, so thank I you. think... Didn't didn't you have a monologue just a few days ago that kind of dealt with that uh, some of those ideas probably, about probably. how the founding fathers' principles, when those are removed or taken away, yeah. we end up with the kinds of, of problems that we are today. Yeah. And it, it basically, uh, you know, my father was a builder, and and I can't I, I cannot count the time, number of times that he told me, you know. If you don't get the foundation right, yeah. the building is going to crumble or yeah. fall. Yeah, nice. and that's what we've—that's what we've got going on. The foundation and the founding. The founding as the foundation. Yeah, that would be the opening yeah. of an essay I would write if I wrote this. That's—I would yeah. use that yeah. line, your line. Thank you, Rick. So, so Seth, thank you for that lecture. Seriously, very powerful, very good, and thank you for the conversation. You want—you want to end with a laugh? Yeah, circling sure. back to uh, my story about <laughs> Bill Bennett and getting the Irish Catholic thing wrong. Yeah, uh, a listener here says, um, "My family moved from uh, from Chicago to Miami in 1958. In the elementary school cafeteria one day, I was asked by some boys who I noticed who who noticed I was a new kid and didn't have a Southern drawl whether I was a Yankee or a rebel. <laughs> I was a bit confused by the question." So I told him I was a White Sox fan. <laughs> Pretty good. Maybe this that has happened good. to all of us at some point or another. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe that's... we just didn't get the key, the, 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 the key to the uh, dictionary. Uh, yeah. I, I but, certainly didn't in uh, whatever year that was. Yeah. I that, that might be it. That might be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank oh, you. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you, Seth, for sharing your your insights and your intellect, and uh, I just uh, I, I will continue praying for you for the Lord's wisdom and uh, and guidance as you uh, as you do your work for Him uh, here on Earth. Super Super Seth Man and his faithful sidekick 
Bebop and Bill. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Much appreciated. There's a lot here. I mean, what did what did Paul Harvey call it uh, back in his day? A testing time uh, is what he called it. We're in a testing time. There's such a thing as a teachable moment, and there's such a thing as a testing time. Uh, the teachable moments aren't really right here, right now, but we are being tested. And the question is, how will we answer? What is it Americans will fight for? It's a really valid question, I think. We've seen over the past few years what they'll fight for. They'll fight for destroying America's founding and American exceptionalism and the notion that we are a good country. That's what they'll fight. Awfully hard thing to go up against countries that actually do believe in their own goodness and the righteousness of their cause. Awfully hard. Awfully hard. And awfully inviting for tyrants around the world to take advantage of us in those positions. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is funny. Okay, people are, are weighing in with their own stories on themselves for missing the cultural references of the time. I started by talking about my confusion over my jejun confusion over uh, Irish Catholicism and Roman Catholicism, and had a story about a guy who, when asked about the Yank, whether he was a Yank or a Rebel, he said he's Yankee or a Rebel. He support said he supported the the White Sox friend of mine said I had just moved uh, to Arizona from Minnesota. I was 12 and entering the eighth grade. To my deep embarrassment, even to this day, when the social studies teacher stood before the class and asked which states comprised the four corners, I raised my hand and said, Maine, Florida, California, and Washington. I have something very similar from law school. Uh, I went to law school on the East Coast, <clears throat> never really having lived there before. And we read a case, and I didn't think much about it, but it involved, I think it had to do with jurisdiction or something like that. And it and it was something about, oh, I remember what it was now. Yeah, it was about an advertisement, an auto dealer that was based in, um, I think, New Jersey, but whose advertisements could be heard in what was known as the tri-state area, which I guess is, uh, what, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that at the time. How would I know that? And anyway, so, so I, and and they they said you know the, the the company was responsible for what was heard even where it wasn't located because of the tri-state area connection and nexus and whatever. And some other case we were reading a few weeks later or something came down some other region in America I don't remember Midwest Southwest I don't know. And I um, and I had I had said well you know and the states were were con contiguous. So it must have been something like, you know, Arizona, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado or something. I don't know, something like that. But I, um, I said, uh, well, it would be, you know, because of the tri-state holding. And they all, the professor looked at me and said, what do you mean the tri-state holding? I said, well, you know, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. He goes, is that known as a tri-state region? I said, I don't know, but we had the X and Y case with the tri-state. <laughs> so I, I, you know, we've all had those things, I guess. We've all had those things, but nothing so bad as almost getting fired on my first day on the job working for Bill Bennett. Speaking of law school, speaking of law school, anyone, well, 
First of all, first and foremost, anyone who graduated from Yale Law School, I would never give them another penny. Never another penny. Larger point about schools that call you for donations, alumni, whatever. Um, ask, ask, you know, ask yourself before you know they pull too heavily on your heartstrings whether the pennies, dollars, the multiples of dollars they are asking you for, you are willing to give them. What are you endowing? What are you endowing? Are you endowing our own suicide? Are you endowing our own national demise? Are you endowing the ethics that you despise? In other words, does that school teach the ethics that despise yours, your ethics? They shouldn't get an automatic pull on your money just because you went there. You'd already given them money to go there. They shouldn't get an automatic pull. If you're inclined to support education, there's plenty of educational organizations, and I'll tell you a lot of inner, uh, you know, a lot of urban schools, particularly parochial ones or Catholic ones or others, that could use your money a lot more than places like Yale. A lot more. You know what happened at Yale, right? Federalist Society had a had an event there. Now, the Federalist Society is deemed a conservative organization because it was founded as a conservative organization to answer to things like the ACLU or the National Lawyers Guild or other liberal left legal organizations, which are legion, which are many. So a few people got together in early 1980s, I think it was, might have been late 70s, but I think it was early 80s, and built the Federalist Society as a response, you know, a club for conservative legal thought. And it was primarily libertarian, primarily libertarian. And over the years, what the Federalist Society developed into more than anything else really was a debating society, more than anything else. You can't go to these liberal legal organizations and get debates. You don't get debates. But at the Federalist Society conventions, you do. You get debates throughout the spectrum. You could have... Uh, Hadley Arcus debating, I don't know, name me a liberal, uh, Erwin Shomorinsky. You could have, I mean, that's that would be a typical Federalist Society kind of event. They are debating societies. So Yale Law School has a Federalist Society chapter, and they had a, um, a liberal professor there with Kristen Wagoner, who has been a guest on this show several times. She's, uh, I think, senior legal counsel, if not chief legal counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. Smart person. And they were there at a Federalist Society event at Yale Law School to discuss what what was the topic. Freedom of speech was the topic. And it was not really even a debate. It was set as a liberal and a conservative agreeing on free speech. So the liberal law professor and Kristen Wagoner were there together because they actually agreed on the same proposition and thought the Federalist Society thought it would be a good event. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? You think about, I mean, there are so many organizations in this country that are dedicated to the notion of, you know, civil dialogue, civil dialogue, you know, bringing the sides together so that we can, you know, come to some kind of an agreement or at least have an agreement to disagree civilly. How many organizations do you know are dedicated to that kind of thing? A lot. So Yale's Federalist Society stepped up and did it. They stepped up and did it. They had a conservative and a liberal there to discuss something they could both agree on for different reasons. And a hundred law students went nuts over it, went ape crazy over it. 
stormed into the discussion, stormed into the meeting, disrupted it, threatened violence against Kristen Wagoner, of course, even though the two the two uh, speakers were in agreement, but threatened Kristen Wagner. Police had to be called. This is a law school. This is maybe the number one rated law school in the country. It shifts a little sometimes, but certainly top three or four. The police had to come in to preserve the safety of an invited guest, a senior legal counsel. So a lawyer is invented to, invited to Yale Law School and can't speak on the issue of free speech because 100 students disrupted and threatened violence. And there are videos circulating if you want. Will the dean of the Yale Law School do anything about this? My guess is no. My guess is no. I know the background of the dean of the Yale Law School. My guess is no. What the dean of the Yale Law School should do is take every one of those hundred students' names and report them to whatever bar those students try to pass to become lawyers to the character committees of those bars because they should not be representing people under the name of anything like the law. The Seth Liebson show. Um, yeah, right. Leah Thomas is uh, getting in the news a whole bunch lately. Uh, you know, the swimmer. Um, and um, this is audio you just got to hear. You just got to hear this. This is a Virginia Tech swimmer competing in the uh, NCAA championships, detailing how her teammate was brought to tears after her place in the finals was taken by Leah Thomas, just uh, if you will, I would uh, invite you to listen to this brave Virginia Tech student. You're a Virginia Tech swimmer. What did you think about Leah Thomas competing today as a swimmer in this competition? Um, what are you feeling? What are other athletes feeling? It's a common conception that we are all very disappointed and frustrated with someone who is has capabilities more than us women have to be able to compete at this level and take opportunities away from other women. Like I have a teammate who did not make finals today because she was just bumped out of finals. And it's heartbreaking to see someone who went through puberty as a male and has the body of a male be able to absolutely blow away the competition. And you go into it with a mindset that you are, you don't have a chance if that makes sense. Like it's hard to compete against someone with, the aerobic capacity, the muscle development, the body of a man, it, it's hard. It's hard to think about it like that. And staying positive, I bet, for other swimmers who are in that uh, heat is probably overwhelming. I, I'm not sure. I can't speak for them. But it, it's disappointing to see and frustrating, definitely. And you said that one of your teammates was crying today because she didn't make the finals. Uh, you said that she was 17th yes. and there were 16 spots. Yes. So uh, Leah Thomas took one of those spots. Uh, talk to us about what your teammate uh, was going through and, and that experience. She was very emotional and it's hard to see because it's her last NCAAs. And um, she really loves that race. And it was just heartbreaking to see that she put all her effort into it today. And when the best time that she's went in a morning session before and still not make it back. It's hard to see someone who works every day, every night, still not be able to compete against someone like that. She better get a security retinue, that brave student. That brave, brave student. I'm old enough to remember when there was a movement to protect self-esteem and the feelings of people. 
that included girls, young girls, young women. I'm also old enough to remember when women's sports was something that was supposed to be protected. This current administration, I'm accused for hand and cherry picking exceptions. This administration's Department of Education is making all of this possible and not just at the college level. And not just in swimming pools, but in bathrooms. Not just at the college level. Put in a word for my friends at Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. I take them every single day. Powerful, potent stuff. Raspberries, sweet cherries, lemons, tart cherries, orange, grapefruit, aloe vera is a sample of what you get in the fruit in the fruit capsules. You get garlic, soybean, carrot, shiitake, mushrooms, sweet potatoes, wheatgrass, zucchini in the vegetable capsules. Fabulous products. Kept me well for three years. Balanceofnature.com. I recommend it to you. I urge it on you if you're interested in keeping healthy, strong, and boosting your immunity. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.